I believe that what we do as women in the privacy of our own minds is the single greatest determinant of our lives. I'm Emma Title, and you are listening to the Women Today podcast, where we are unpacking and investigating the new female psychology. I am a psychotherapist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about women's internal and external freedoms. You are in the right place if you want to hear in-depth stories about women's lives. On this show, we dig deep into the minds and hearts of women to understand what it really takes to heal, to grow, and to experience psychological freedom so that we can create lives of authenticity, fulfillment, and contribution. This is a place to receive nourishment, inspiration, and guidance as we continue to show up for the complexity and nuance of our lives as women. I'm so glad that you're here, and let's get started with today's episode. Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode of the podcast. I'm really excited to be introducing Ellen Bader to you all today. Ellen is a psychotherapist and coach. She is a wife and a mother. She specializes in supporting couples primarily at this stage in her career, but she spent the majority of her earlier career focused on women and women's issues. She is trained at level three of the psychobiological approach to couples therapy, which is a body of work founded by Dr. Stan Tatkin. And she is also a faculty at the Relationship School, which is a wonderful organization founded by her husband, Jason Gaddis. And together, they both teach courses on the deep psychology of intimate relationship, as well as a present-centered couples coaching training for those people who want to learn how to coach couples themselves. And on a personal note, I just love Ellen. She is an incredible friend. She is the mother to two amazing children whom I love dearly. And she is someone who shows up in so many seen and unseen ways here in our local community in Boulder County. She is real, she is honest, she is present, she is thoughtful, and I think you're going to enjoy this interview just as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. Welcome, Ellen, and thank you so much for being here with us on the podcast today. Thank you, Emma. It's totally my pleasure. Well, I'm really excited for all of the different things we're going to be talking about today. And the listeners got to hear a little bit more of your formal background and professional work that you do in the world. But I'm wondering if before we get started, you can kind of just give us a little window into your world right now and Mm. how you're spending your time, what's what you're prioritizing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just I just flashed the camera to you about all the stuff on the floor next to me. Um, So (laughs) that's sort of the deal is I'm working out of our guest room and my daughter's upstairs right now. Um, There may be some trampling we hear with her little homeschool pod today. Uh, My husband's down the hall. I mean, there's just like, it's like work and family is all one big mush these days, but I'm, I'm home a lot and I'm still seeing clients and uh, still getting outside and doing, doing what I do, I guess. 
Yeah, it's amazing. Um, there can be a lot of advantages and disadvantages to having everything sort of <laughs> lumped and mushed in together. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes I'm in a session and I can see my kids playing outside and I've just been like, wow, there was all these years where I was trying to get all my work done before I picked them up. And they never saw that how much I worked, which isn't a ton, but they never saw that. And now that we've been home since March and they're seeing everything, they're like, they're still just like, wait, you, how, you know, what do you, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, right. Cause I've been available from, you know, three, two thirty, three on, you know, so they know I work, but it's just different when they're seeing it all. And I think there's things that are really awesome about that and things about just being more of a real person with my clients, but also focusing and being attentive to what's in front of me can be a little harder. Totally. And I love that right away the conversation goes to family and <laughs> and your work in the world. Yeah. Because I know those are both such important things for you. And yeah. it, it feels sweet hearing about your kids seeing you working more and yeah, just like the full picture getting rounded out. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm so excited, Ellen, to really just ask a lot of questions of you today and for listeners to be able to have access to your amazing knowledge and wisdom, because I feel like every time I'm with you, I, I learn something about myself, about life, about womanhood. And um, I'm just that excited. Goes both ways. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I feel so fortunate to have you in my life and and I know you've done so much writing and speaking on the subject of motherhood for many mm -hmm. years now. And I'm wondering if we could start there and you could share with us about how motherhood, becoming a mother changed your life and also how it has shaped your identity as a feminist. Just a little something to start with there. <laughs> yeah, just a small, small question. I'll spend a minute on that. Uh, um, well, as you know, Emma, because we've had such so many conversations about motherhood, especially in the last couple of years since you've become a mother too, uh, it's a huge identity overhaul for me and is ongoing, I think. I think I'm still finding my place. My kids are nine and 11 now, and I'm still orienting around, around it all it feels like I'm still learning how. And because they keep growing and changing or what's needed of me and my role keeps growing and changing too. So it's very exciting that way, I think, for me and challenging. And I think that, I mean, there were so many things that were, that I had to work with that I didn't know was coming my way when I became a mother and I don't, I mean, it's almost like, God, where do I even start? But I feel like the feminist piece really was, was like a locus of where a lot was going on. And I think this is true, even for women who don't necessarily identify as a feminist, that, that, that basically anyone past the 60s, you know, I was born in 73, so Gen X, basically, but any of us who grew up at a time where 
we were being told or really seeing that women could be just as much a part of the world as men and had every right to that. My God, of course, that there, there was a lot for me to navigate when it came to having a career and being a mother and just, just being a mother itself and what that looks like for me now and for my marriage and my partnership. And then also as I wanted to keep working and really loved my work. And that was important to me. I mean, I feel like just figuring out all those puzzle pieces was in the way that it made sense for me in my life was a big undertaking because there's just been so many uh, messages about how to be a good mom, how to be a good feminist, less about how to be a good wife. I think a lot of that's been taken down, thank God. Um, but yeah. for me, for me, the, how to be a good mother and how to be a good, uh, you know, contributor of work in the world or earner, you know, all of that was, was a lot to contend with for me. Yeah. I so appreciate you naming those two things. Cause I feel really in the thick of what feels like tension yeah. around that, like how to be a good mother, especially being trained as a psychotherapist and caring right. about attachment and trauma <laughs> and all these things. Yes. And then how to be, it's interesting for me, it's almost like not a good feminist, but maybe like how to be a true feminist or something like, yeah. like yeah. what? Yeah. And so I'm, I just would love to hear more about like, how did you sort through all that and yeah. how are you still sorting through it? Because it feels like such a complicated and tricky landscape. Right. Well, I think I, I started to realize that somehow I, my, my feminism hadn't really included motherhood and when I go back to my undergrad, were you, a, you were a women's studies major or minor? Yes. And psychology. Yeah. And psychology. Okay. I did that too. <laughs> and, and did you ever take a class on motherhood? No. Right. And what a enormous 80% of women I think become mothers and there's hardly any academic classes at the college or graduate level on women and mothering. Wow. And that's pretty shocking, right? And I, I think that that speaks to like in those women's studies courses, feminist informed reading and studying that I did, that there was nothing on motherhood really, I think speaks to how feminism really was, came out as a way to support women getting into the workforce and getting more of those rights for earning and for career and education, which is so hugely important. And it was actually in reading. So somewhere in my early years as a mother, I was like trying to understand all this. And I started reading Andrea O'Reilly, who I think she's at a college in Vancouver. And she created the first course on uh, motherhood for her women's studies department. And she's written a ton on this topic on feminism and mothering. And then Anne Crittenden has a, has a book as well I can't remember what it's called, but it, it was in her book that I re that she sort of broke down the origins of feminism and how really they had like a choice to either really focus on motherhood or getting women out in the world, you know, getting women more support in their caregiving roles, which so many women are in, or, or just getting us out to be able to earn and have more independence and more rights. And they, they chose to focus on that. There was a choice point in like the early 1800s, I think. 
Wow. Maybe late I never 1800s. knew that. This oh, yeah. It's amazing. It's super interesting. There was like a conscious like turn that happened because, and it has to do with, yeah, there was either, they were either going to focus on getting women counted more at home in their caregiving role, like for the GNP and, and just on an economic level or, or have us just out there more. And so they went for that. And I can't remember exactly how that came about, but that was what happened. And so here we are now, we have so much more opportunity in the world. Oh, and we're so much more informed about parenting and emotional and psychological growth for our children and how important our role as parents is, especially mothers in the early years. And we're in this squeeze where it starts to feel like tension between how do I do this? We know how important parenthood is to the young child and we know how important our careers are to our overall life. And so it's especially the, the educated woman, I think that, that feels um, the tension of that because she's maybe focused on her career and education in a more intense way. But then also there's also the, the more educated a woman is, this is a stati- research statistic too, the more likely she is to opt out of the workforce at a certain point in mothering. Wow. Because she knows the value because of her education and the, the value of that, the relationship with her child and how important that is to her child's development. So it's very complicated, and I, I, you, I, we are not alone in this, in this dilemma. And, uh, and I think for me, it was just helpful to start reading about feminists who were interested in motherhood because I just it had been such a blind spot in my, my studies, and I really wasn't sure I wanted to be a mother or even be married throughout all my adolescence and twenties. It just really was not in the forefront for me. I really wanted to have a career and be really independent. And so it just, it all came up for me later in my mid thirties when I, when I did decide I wanted to get married and I did decide I wanted to have kids. And then I was like, Oh, how do I do this? Cause I really wanted to be with my kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that came out of motherhood too. I was like, God, I love being here and I want to be here a lot. And, uh, and that, so that confronted some of my ideas about what it might look like for me as a mother with a career. I, I wasn't as interested in working as much as I was interested in the, building the relationship with my children. So there's a lot to, to yeah. acknowledge. Yeah. And it, I so appreciate the willingness to be surprised, Ellen, that, that yes. I know you went through and that you're still going through in different yeah. ways but that you were receptive and adaptive and creative enough both in yourself, but also with Jason, your husband to let the process inform you in the present moment, like as it was unfolding. Right. Well, it was mostly once we figured out something didn't feel good or work, it was like, Oh, what do we need to change? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, what that actually looked like was years of, revising and revising and revising my hours, my schedule, uh, practicing, experimenting. I, I feel like I'm still moving things around all the time. And this is where my privilege really comes in is that I have a career where I can really be in charge of my schedule. And I had no idea how important that would be to me mm-hmm. as a parent, but it's it's been extremely just a huge asset for just how much I value 
being with my children and being able to do that a lot. Oh, and my husband also is in charge of his schedule and works for himself. And so mm-hmm. we have a really privileged situation and we've, we've taken full advantage of that since day one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering for, for women who are listening, yeah. you know, I'm sure everybody has different circumstances in their parenting, whether they're single parenting or with a partner, self-employed or have employers. Yeah. How, what are the kinds of questions or like reflections you would recommend they start sifting through if, if they're having this experience, like you're saying, where something doesn't feel good? Maybe they don't know what it is, but something doesn't feel good. Well, first I would acknowledge that it's really, I think it's to be expected that something's not going to feel good because in my opinion, our world is just not set up for families, for women, and really for humans. Like I feel like the extent, the output we expect, the level of independence, the level of work done the lack of time to ourselves, to our families, to, to just relax and unwind, you know, the five day, 40 hour, I mean, what is a 50 hour week now? I don't even know, but we just have ridiculously high expectations as a society of what a productive person looks like. And I don't think it's very, I, for me, it really goes in opposition to what my family needs or what my nervous system needs. And so we're always working with that, right? And we all have different choices around that given our circumstances or our support or our resources. And so I think I just want to acknowledge that I just feel like the world is not set up well. I mean, I'm just thinking right now, even of college students I've seen in my practice that are like completely stressed out, like falling apart because of their workloads. And I'm like, why are we doing this to 19 and 20 year olds? This feels, this all feels so wrong. Like why do we feel like we have to suffer to, to learn or be productive or, you know, and like training them that that's what it is to be a responsible adult is to have a total wreck of a body or a mind, but you're (laughs) getting A's or you're getting an internship or whatever. Right. Right. Trash your health, trash your everything, but get those grades, you know? And so there's a lot to all of that. So I feel like, oh gosh. And do you know, um, this other person's coming to my mind. Do you know Beth Berry? I don't. She's, she's a cool, uh, writer. I'm on like her list. She's like a mother, motherhood advocate, really. Um, I think she runs women's groups virtually. I, I have nothing to do with her. I'm just mentioning her because I think it's she's super great cool. And, uh, and she, I, I'm on her list. I got something today about if you're not enjoying mothering um, or like if you're asking yourself, why don't I enjoy motherhood or I should enjoy motherhood more, something like that. She's like, really, that's not the question. It's let's look at all the things about life that could be getting in the way. It could be your unresolved trauma, your... Um, you know, just the level of output that's expected of you, the, the, she listed like 20 things that are sort of going on in the world and what we expect from women and their lives and how they should be not getting enough, you know, being an introvert and not getting enough time alone or not getting enough nervous system regulation because having children can be so much on our nervous systems, depending on our family dynamics. And so 
there's just so many things that could not feel good is what I'm coming back to. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your fault. And there is a lot to look at. I, I don't, I think I would encourage a woman to start where she's, start wherever she can with uh, acknowledging that something isn't working for her and that she's probably onto something that does need to shift or need her attention and to find a way to do that. And it's really that first step of, of acknowledge, like admitting to oneself or to other one, other mm-hmm. people that this isn't feeling good. Like, and yeah. that we're worthy of not, it not being perfect, but maybe feeling better to yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it could be, it's not feeling good to be home with a child this much. It's not feeling good to have to go to work. It's not my marriage, something in my, I'm not enjoying co-parenting. Um, I don't feel good in my body. I'm exhausted and depleted. I mean, there's so many things that could, that could stress us. And there is, there are ways to start chipping away at that. I think, I think I get worried when women just sort of throw up their hands, like, well, it's just a shit show or, well, I'm just going to be exhausted for 10 years or, well, there's nothing I can do. I have to work. And, and I, there are things about that that are true. And, uh, we, it, I mean, it's just, we can only shift things if we can put ourselves in that position of creator of our lives and our outcomes. And I, and I know that we all have different opportunities there. We, some of us have two shitty choices to look at, uh, but I want women to look at it, you know, and I want their partners to help them. Like, I, I feel like one of the biggest or, or friends or loved ones, whoever it is in your life, like that, or therapist, what coach, someone helping you look at the things that seem impossible to figure out and helping you figure out something that helps relieve you a little, get you a little more rest, a little more joy, something, because that's, it's just going to be better for the whole family. Yeah. It's going to benefit everyone. <laughs> totally. And starting, right? I, I just love listening to you, Ellen, because it's oh. such good reminders <laughs> for me of like, start, I know for me in my process, like starting to include myself Mm -hmm. in the picture of the whole, yeah. as opposed to like, okay, what does my daughter need? What is Mm -hmm. like always being so focused on her needs, as opposed to recognizing that my own needs or my own state around parenting her actually deeply matters, not only to her, but to me. Yeah. Yeah, there's no separation anymore, right? Like our well-being directly impacts the people we live with in a way it never has before, I think. So it's a huge responsibility. It can be feel like a burden, I think, at times to feel like everyone's relying on me. <laughs> <laughs> and it can be a really important gauge of, okay, if I'm not doing well, we all need, you know, we have to look at this as a fam because it's important for our family and, and yeah, important for our own health and well-being. I think our bodies as women like speak to us pretty readily if we're willing to listen. And it's, it's very hard to honor that. I think it's hard to go at the pace we might need to go or say no when we need to, or include ourselves. Uh, all of that seems to be challenging. Yeah. But but we need, and we might need support to look at it. Like, I know I still need support from Jason to keep acknowledging like, wait, how am I really doing? And am I making enough time for this? Am I, 
going into a habit here. Like I really rely on that, that reflection. So this brings up a question for me, Ellen, Mm -hmm. a place where I struggle sometimes. And then also where a lot of my clients are getting confused or struggling. And I think it relates back to feminism (laughs) and, you know, feminism, quote unquote, in the world. Yeah. And I know you teach a lot about this at the relationship school and, you know, your work with clients in your private practice, Mm -hmm. but you are somebody who is incredibly devoted to your children and to your partner and to your relationships. Mm -hmm. And you've studied with Stan Tatkin and you're into secure functioning and attachment and all these things. Mm -hmm. Where does the self fit Mm -hmm. into that? So like if we're really devoted to our relationships, what do we do with self? How do we navigate prioritizing self and others when oftentimes I feel like the world is really trying to split it for us, like overemphasizing independence, like you were talking about, or like, it's a very me culture. You know, we see a lot of that on social media. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like, how do we sort through all this? (laughs) It's a great question. Um, I'll tell you how I'm looking at it right now, given where I'm at in my life and the things I've learned and what I've practiced and what hasn't worked. And I there's a few things. One is for me, just for me personally, I'm trying to, I really want to be able to really honor myself in the midst of my relationships and family. And, and I noticed for years I had a real, I really didn't want to leave my family. I didn't want to leave my kids. I didn't want to go away for a weekend. I, I just did not want to. And I always questioned that, like, am I, why am I, why am I unable or unwilling to do that? Why doesn't that sound good that I used to love my alone time and my solitude? And I think what I, what I've realized over years of really just sort of being with that and staying here was that I really, what I really want to like get deep into my nervous system and psyche is this, is the sense that I can really honor myself in the midst of my family. Because I think I, have felt that split where it's like, if I'm really taking good care of my relationships, that somehow doesn't include me as much. Or if I'm really taking good care of myself, I'm doing that alone and not with others. And I, I really on some deep level want to be able to do all of those at the same time. It's really important to me for some reason, there's something about I'm kind of obsessed with integration in any in all kinds of areas. And so it feels like an integrative thing for me to be able to attend to myself, the the person or people I'm closest to, and all of us at the same time. It's a really complex thing to do. And most of us aren't there in our development until later in life because we grow because we grow up with a sense of I either honor myself and I might lose and I and I'm I have more distance or less relationship, or I really honor you. And then I get connection, but I'm not as connected to myself. And so I'm secure functioning is all about being able to do the more complex thing of doing all three of those self, other, and relationship together. And it's not like it's some perfect formula that's, I can't ever be away from them, or I always have to be with them or something, but there is some way that I'm I'm wanting to learn what that actually looks like for me. And I, um, and so I think the self is, 
something I worked so hard to work so hard on my 20s and early 30s, right? Like, who am I and what do I want and how do I take care of myself and what does that actually look like? And then I was actually scared about having kids and losing track of all of that. And it's been wobbly for sure. <laughs> for sure. It still is, I think, sort of my, this like deep part of me that wants to, that would do anything to make sure my kids are okay, because that is so important to me. But including ourselves in that is, takes more creativity. It takes collaboration. It takes, it's less obvious, but it, I think it's where we're moving in terms of complexity and integration, where we want to go. I, I Totally. And I love, I love integration as well. I love yeah. the word. I love the concept. And yeah. when I feel it in myself, I'm just like, oh, this feels this, this is it. Yeah. Like, this is like the more, the higher level development place. Yeah. And I so agree with you that it's, it's like my brain doesn't always want to go there. It wants to default to the either or. Yes. And, and there's so much conditioning and yeah. um, modeling around that. And so I love that you're, I love hearing about secure functioning as self, other, and relationship, like that all three get to be respected and honored there. Yeah. Yeah. And that, again, that can look like so many things when you're really true to that. It depends on who you are your family dynamic, um, how that looks. But I know for me, I'm because I like to be with my family as much as I do, I have to really figure out how do I attend to myself in the midst of all this because I'm not really that willing to go away to do that. It feels, I felt like I'm being like punished <laughs> when like I can't be with them. It's really very, very weird. <laughs> <laughs> I have taken weekends away with Jason. I've done things, but it's it's been an interesting place to reflect on what that actually feels like versus my idea of what that should feel like. Yeah. That yeah. and I, again, I just so appreciate the honesty and like the willingness <laughs> to, you know, because for another woman it might be like, I need whole weeks away from my totally. family. And that's just true for her. Yeah. And for you to be just listening and responsive that, that that's not actually what feeds or nourishes you. Right. Right. It was very confusing to me because I, I really thought I would miss that so much. And I just, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't need, I don't need what I needed then because I think I'm trying to learn something else. I think that's why, because I really am wanting to learn this other way of being with the people I love and myself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I feel like that also points to, each of us being on our unique path or curriculum where it's like, I might be having a growing edge that's really different than yours. That's different than yeah. the next woman's. And for us to become aware and intimate with, okay, what would be the more growthful path here for me? Yeah. It's so, it can be really unclear sometimes, <laughs> yes. right? Like, yeah. cause it might look like that sounds awful, but I think that's what I need to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it is so different for each of us. We have, you know, and I would love, I think, you know, hopefully the conversation around motherhood now in the world would ideally be more about like, yeah, what does each woman need and want here? Like feminism at its best, I, I think is trying to provide that, that provide a lot of agency for each person in the world, let alone each woman. And and to 
create a world where there's just so much more room because we all should have access to all the things. So, yes. Yeah. You know, but that, that does put, I think you've probably felt this too. Like it puts, there's a certain kind of pressure to figure out, well, what do I want? And then yes. where am I going to put my energy? And even though it's, a, I think, a privileged question at times, it's important that the ones of us who get to ask that are, are actually excavating that, I think. Oh, amen. Yes. Yeah. And it, what you're saying, Ellen, it, it brings me to another piece that I'm always chewing on. I, I talk okay. a lot on the podcast about freedom and like, mm. how do we break free in our minds as women? Mm-hmm. And so much of what I hear you talking about is like how you have navigated finding a place that feels authentic, like true for mm-hmm. you, which does that feel right? Yeah, I think it's ongoing. Yes. <laughs> it's not like yes. I've landed. No. no. So yeah, it's constantly like checking in around that. Yes. And, yeah. and, and when I think of freedom, that's sort of what I think of. It's not like not having responsibilities or yeah. uh, some of these other things that the world might want us to think are freedom. Yeah. But how do you know when you're breaking through in your own psychology to that next level of freedom or truth and, or how do you know when someone you're working with as a client is getting to that Mm -hmm. next level? Hmm. Well, this is something I spoke to earlier. I think this idea of integration. And I think when we're moving into more complexity, like able to hold more points of view at once, able to inhabit more than one perspective or emotional experience at once able to think about ourselves and the other and our relationship all at once, like that level of integration to me has a really somatic experience to it. Right. Like this is, I think why I'm so obsessed or I guess I'm not obsessed, but compelled to practice yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And because there's this feeling of when everything lines up, something happens, like our mind pauses or, we feel something, you know, a warmth in our heart or tears come or like, I think it could be a lot of different things, but I, I usually, when it's happening with a client or a couple or myself, it's, I have an emotional or energetic release is probably what happens like tears or like a real sense of like, wow, everything just came together and I'm everything is paused, like time stopped for a few moments. Like it's things like that, that help me, you know, and it might be a few minutes before I'm in another round of trying to sort something out. (laughs) But hours, but there is a sense of awareness. Something has expanded and yeah, sometimes it goes with tears or a real body, whole body experience of sensation. What do you think? I, I I could just sort of float in that <laughs> wisdom right there because I love your articulation. It feels so mm. accurate. And it I asked the question because it's my own, you know, my own yeah. curiosity. Like I know this thing happens. I know we heal. I know we break mm-hmm. through to mm-hmm. greater levels of maturity or development or complexity in ourselves. But like, how do we recognize those moments when they occur? Yeah. 
And your description lands for me, feels really accurate. Mm. Maybe the, another thing I would add is, and this comes from my work in somatic experiencing with trauma healing Mm. is, is that, and I think you're speaking to this with like the aha moment is meaning starts to change. Like I Mm. actually start to have a different interpretation or perception of things than what I was, than how I was holding it or viewing it prior. Totally. Yes. Like the meaning we make of it all is evolves and and we can't really go back. Once once you've seen that new like perspective or understanding, it's, we're not in that, we're not struggling with it anymore. It's like, oh, I see what that is. And now, now I can move forward. (laughs) Yes. And I love that we can't go back because that is completely my experience. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I gain new levels of awareness and then they disappear. I might play out an old pattern again. Yeah. Hundreds of more times. Sure. But the awareness Awareness. doesn't go away. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And there's always more to learn. Like there isn't a, I don't know, you would probably agree. I'm guessing (laughs) there's no finish line there. Like I continue to have more to learn about myself, the things I think are true, the way I think things are, you know, if you're really, if I'm really paying attention, I, there's no end to that, which I like, I like that about life. And then there's times when it feels like that's a lot to handle. (laughs) Like, can I get a, can I rest somewhere? But yeah. Can I, can I get a break from this roller coaster ride? (laughs) Yeah. And we can, we can. Yes. We can take breaks and step off. Yes. Yeah. So speaking of this sort of lifelong journey of growth and development, Mm -hmm. I know you said to me that you're very interested in women's midlife development. Yeah. Right now. And I'm like, I need to know more about that. (laughs) Tell me, tell me what you're learning and yeah, Yeah. what's inspiring you right now? Well, I need to learn more too, because I feel like I'm just realizing that, wow, I don't know enough about this life phase I'm moving into, which, you know, my kids are still young, but I'm 47. And let's, I'm like, I see menopause on the horizon. I see my kids becoming independent adolescents on the horizon. Like there's a whole, everything's going to be changing in a few years. Right. And so I think what I'm interested in is like, what's possible at this life phase. And I think that there's, you know, I've, I've been reading a little bit about just perimenopause and how women's dreams really start to change. And it's like on a deep, what I'm understanding, and I, I've seen this in myself, is that on some deep level, our psyches are, are doing some kind of overhaul, preparing for this, this massive hormonal shift and life shift for a lot of us is when our children, if they haven't already, are about to leave home. And so there's, it just seems like it's a world of possibility and, but it feels like it's vaguely charted in the literature at all. Again, like, and maybe it's just because I haven't paid enough attention or looked enough because it hasn't, it hasn't felt relevant to me somehow, even though completely is, (laughs) but now that I'm personally interested, um, 
I think it's, I've seen a lot of women struggle through that phase of life. And I am really interested in how else to navigate it, I guess. Not, not that there shouldn't be struggle with this kind of thing, but I think it's like motherhood, like, oh, this is very challenging, this whole new life and this whole new orientation to the world. And there's a lot to learn and grow and develop in myself because of that. So as someone who can, I have access to support and education, all those things that would help me do that well. And then hopefully help other women, you know, with that as you do. And, you know, I know that's how you see your own journey too. Like, okay, we've been able to find the things that have helped us and served us. And then how do we disseminate that to more people that maybe don't have the same kind of access or time or resources that we have? Yeah. I love, I love hearing about this, Ellen, and particularly the dream life. It, yeah. it feels like such a access point and mm-hmm. a mysterious part of the psyche. And mm-hmm. ha- have you read um, Joan Borisenko's book? I think it's called The Woman's Book of Life. Yeah, that's, that's where I started to read about that. Okay. I, I have that on my nightstand. I, I'm working through it very slowly, but I yeah. love her. I love her too. Yeah. 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 And I think, isn't that like, I would maybe you'd agree that like, that's such a big part of what women have access to or can contribute or are willing to be with is this mysterious, murky, felt sense, psyche. I just feel like I want to keep mining the access that I have there because I know there's a lot in there for my own life and for others. Uh, but we don't, we still don't get a lot of support to go there and to pay attention to our inner life or our dreams, you know, in the way that I think they're really there to serve us. Yeah. And like our individual selves. And then I also think a lot about the collective when I think yeah. of dream life and yeah. how so many of us as women in these different stages, whether it's pregnancy or early motherhood or right. menopause or death or, mm-hmm. you know, that we're actually traversing similar themes, but so often alone because people aren't talking about it. Right, right. And practitioners or doctors aren't understanding or appreciating. And we have to go searching for the, like the validation and the recognition of what we're going through a lot of the time still. Yeah. I think. Absolutely. Which is why it's so amazing to have older women guides. How, how oh, they don't totally. have to be at whatever age, but just older than ourselves. Totally. <laughs> impart the wisdom. and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's enormous. Mm. Enormous. Yeah. It is. Thank you for sharing all of that. And if you're okay, I want to switch gears just slightly sure. toward the end of our conversation here to go a little more macro, if you're okay. up for that. Sure, let's try it. <laughs> um. So, okay, this is, these are the things that I think about at night. And I mean, I think about a lot of things at night, let's be real, but, (laughs) but every day I feel like I'm sort of gnawing on these questions. Um, And I'm thinking we're in 2020 and here we are as women, Mm -hmm. you and I were in the United States and like so much is changing And then some days I'll read the New York Times or something. And I'm just like, is anything changing? Mm 
-hmm. Like, are things really getting better for us? Right. And I'll, so I kind of want to just open it up with you. Mm -hmm. You know, are things changing? Mm -hmm. Is it more of the same? And it's just kind of morphing. Where do you see us as women? And where do you see our trajectory and where things are going? Mm, God. <laughs> I could, there's, I feel like there's two sides to that and, and maybe a thousand actually, but part of me starts to think about how I've had so many moments in the last 10 years since I've been a wife and mother, you know, like more traditional roles in a way where I felt like nothing has changed. Like the society in the world is still like, you know, it's, it's almost like a lot of the people I know, the, there's still the stay at home mom, the, the earning father, just traditional setups. Um, again, nothing wrong with that at all. But I think as I'm trying to find my way, I can look around and feel like, wait, at the, at the parent meetings, it's all the moms um, at the, you know, figuring out the after school stuff. It's all the moms again. Like I look around and I see things that feel really traditional. And I'm, and I, I'm always asking myself, is this what I want? Is this where I want to be? Is this work for us? And so much of it does uh, actually. And I just, I just hope that we're all still making sure that we're all making the choices we want to make. Uh, so sometimes I think, I don't know. There's still a lot of women are still holding a lot down. Even if a lot of us are still working, we're still doing a lot of the childcare or the home pieces. I mean, and the statistics say that that's still incredibly true. So that sometimes I feel a little discouraged there. <laughs> and then, uh, cause I don't want women bearing the burden of all of that late emotional and physical labor. It's not good for us. We need, we need to share it more. And then and then in other ways, I feel like when I look at the world, I'm like, we need only women in power. <laughs> we cannot trust anyone but, you know, women who have navigated life and have their wisdom to offer. Like, I, I feel the need and I think the receptivity is out there to not just women's voices, but, you know, people of color, lots of, you know, different sexual orientations, gender identities. Like I, I feel like I see progress when I see that the world, some, some parts of the world really are wanting more diversity and wanting more points of view and how badly we need that to shape, to shape our society into one that doesn't suit just such a small specific group of people. I, I feel the unfairness of that a lot of the time. I'm like this, this isn't even just the education system. I'm like, this isn't really what kids need. This came out of, you know, whatever world war need to get kids all in one place. And so parents could help the, the, you know, the war support that. So like, there's just things that don't make sense for us as humans and that I would love to see evolve. And I do feel like there's receptivity to that, but I, th I think that's moving slower than I would like. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot oh my, slower. <laughs> so slow. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of room, but I think we're, we're still going to have to keep pushing through those barriers of just resistance to change, resistance to relinquishing power, all of that. That's, that's really real and ingrained in so many systems and just ways we think. Like, I love that you help women with kind of freeing their mind because we, that's, 
sometimes the hardest work to really be able to see things differently and, and then follow through on that. That's, that can be really hard. Yeah. And as I'm listening to you, Ellen, I feel like we're coming full circle because, mm-hmm. and maybe it's because of the stage of life that I'm in, but I'm just like, so much comes down to actually how the society handles motherhood. Yes, I would agree. Because it's, it's like you were saying, you know, if we don't have children in our 20s or even 30s, maybe, yeah, there isn't this whole other, you know, we still have to cook food and clean up after ourselves at home. And, you know, maybe we have family members that other family members we need to take care of. Mm-hmm. But it's the intensity of that demand of early life that needs us mm-hmm. that I feel like, at least in my journey so far, is where the scales really tip to like, oh my God, if we don't handle this better it just sets, it sets us up as an entire society Yeah, to have it keep going the way it's been going. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, that's part of what I love about working with couples right now is I feel like I'm, okay, I'm working with like the smallest society that we have, the couple. And yes. this can be a fair, sensitive, and just society, like, again, this is my training with Stan Tech and speaking, then we can build on that. And, and so much I think does come down to the, you know, obviously not every household is two parents or a man and a woman. And that's a large majority of families functioning in that way, or have two people, you know, that have to collaborate and work together or even as co-parents in separate households, like there's adults are having to work together to pave the way for themselves and their kids and, so much of the way everything else works, I see hinging on how that goes. I, that's really how I see it. I have chills and I love, <laughs> I love thinking of, you know, the adults or the leaders of a household, whether it's a couple or however else Yes, as the smallest society. Like I'm, I'm totally, it's, as you know, you know, Keith and I have been going through a really big process recently yeah. around and we're, you know, we're both trained as therapists. We've, we care a lot about looking at our unconscious parts and shadow parts, but something about making the transition into becoming parents, Mm -hmm. I feel like it catapulted us into all of the conventional ways that society has functioned Mm -hmm. for, for eons. And we're really having to step back and be very thorough about, wait, is this, like in your language, is this how we want our society to function? Yeah. And we're coming up with a lot of answers like, no, like we're really committed to a more whole, more fair, more integrated Mm -hmm. society moving forward in our Mm -hmm. home anyway, and for the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's amazing how that can feel like such heavy lifting to like turn those spokes and that wheel. I, I think it is, you know, I think that it takes a lot of awareness because we fall to like whatever's the easiest, most available thing or the, again, roles we didn't even realize we were maybe internalizing of how things worked in a family until I think until you have, you're married, you have kids, like a lot can come up as to expectations or assumptions that we don't even realize we have. And I, I love how you guys are navigating that. I feel like that's, it's just so awesome to try to put that, 
all of that into words and into awareness. And I think we've, on our end with Jason and I, it's been more like initially, yeah, it's been more as he's gotten busier and I've taken on more with the kids that we've had to really make sure like, okay, does this feel fair and good to both of us? Because I don't want anything getting taken for granted in terms of how we function or do things. And I'm, I'm usually the one speaking up about, uh, yeah, not wanting to just assume roles. I, I think that's more on me. I don't know if you feel like that's more on you, Emma. A hundred percent. And yeah. And we're with people who are like, oh yeah, let's not do that, but aren't necessarily tracking it. Yeah. Cause they're, you haven't had to be aware. Yeah. Like we have maybe in our lives. Totally. So how do you, how do you find your way with that, Ellen? And, or how do you help the couples in your office when it's not working, when the society mm-hmm. is breaking, the mini society is breaking, <laughs> breaking down? down. <laughs> like, how do you help them to oh, find a new way? God. I know that's a big question. Yeah. I'm trying to sum that up here. I mean, a lot of it comes down to listening and helping them. I think, I think people do really well when they can, and this happens in my marriage too, it's true for me, is that when we can slow down and really listen and empathize, like really take the time to understand our, like our partner's experience and what they're trying to say, what they're really trying to say, what they're really upset about, what really they're wanting to see change. Like when we really finally get to the heart of that, so much is possible then. But I, I think any anytime you're trying to change a pattern without that full information, that full felt sense of what it's like to be the other person and, and that person really feeling cared about in their experience, I think it's hard to really come up with something new and innovative and fair without that. Because I think anything before that just might feel it's a Band-Aid that might not work very long. So I think that it's just really taking the time. And it's sometimes our, with me and Jason, like we might be sort of in an argument for a few days because we're like chipping away at like, what is this really about? Wait, I, I got another insight. Or, you know, we have, we have to keep revisiting some things that feel like, yeah, I know we figured out what we're going to do about that, but something about it still doesn't feel right. Or, you know, so sometimes it is just really, I, I think that's a key part is really listening till you get to the core of what it's about whatever the feeling or experience is about for someone and what it actually is. And then, and then something new is possible. I love this. And it, and it's like, Oh, this is why it's so hard to have healthy mini or giant societies because (laughs) (laughs) to, to be empathic, we, we have to not be defending. Right. Right. Or reacting about what their experience is bringing up in us. You know, it's like, it takes, we have to really make room in ourselves to listen. Yeah. It takes yeah. a lot of maturity and like a willingness to care equally about the self and the other. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to just throw myself under the bus here, but I'm going to actually really invest in hearing what's actually going on for you. Right. And then... Yeah, that that is a move for the self in a way because 
if you as my partner feel fully heard and understood and you've really gotten to the core of something for you, then whatever we come up with is going to be better for you and me. Like we don't have to keep revisiting that or keep reliving that thing that we're trying to change. You know, it is, it's in a way these things are so much more intertwined and not as separate as we try to make them. I love that. I love that clarification, like not, yeah, coming back to that, not dividing them, realizing like offering empathy is a move for the self and and the relationship. Yes. Yes. And because it should also come back your way. (laughs) Yes. In in our fair, in our fair society here. Yes. Yeah. And go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we should rule the society. Oh yeah. God, I do not want that responsibility. No, actually it really terrifies me, <laughs> but, but on the empathy front, maybe we, on we the empathy front. Leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can feel how like, oh yeah, for my husband, I want to do that for my kids, for my good friends, my family. But when you start going further out into like people who I have opposing political views towards, it's like, wow, do I really want to sit and try to get their world? I mean, it's, I mean, I think there's people who are built for that and they're really, they need to, that's their position and need to need to do that, I think, but very hard when it's, when it's in relationships that we're not invested in. So, so there's so much here about how do we build, keep building relationships, even with people we feel really different from, which I, again, I don't have the answer to that, especially in this country right now, but uh it's hard to listen and make change when we don't have a relationship. It's so true. And it's like you're saying, I mean, I know for me too, the further and further away somebody feels, the more of a stretch that empathy can feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And I, and I'm not saying that we should empathize to those extremes, but we can see how on some level that, having some kind of relationship with all these people we feel different from is we need to at times really work to find that because it's going to make things better. Yes. Oh my goodness, Ellen. Well, (laughs) so I just feel really grateful and Mm -hmm. inspired like this stuff, this conversation really got all my wheels turning and mm. leads leaves me with more questions and also lots of good things to chew on. So mm. thank you for being here. Yeah. I love having this conversation too. I'm just grateful for you as a friend and for a co thinker and feeler in this world around all these important topics. Yeah. I'm so grateful for you as well and your incredible mm. work in the world and in the world and in the home. You've just mm-hmm. been such a huge role model for me on the path of both partnership and mothering. And mm-hmm. I know for so many. So oh, thank you. Yeah. All the ways that you have navigated and, you know, hit those harder spots and work through them. Like it really matters how you've shown up um, mm-hmm. for those of us who get to benefit from mm-hmm. your wisdom and your integration. Thank you. It definitely makes it more meaningful when I can finally share something that I learned, as you know. Totally. It makes yeah. the, all of the journey and the struggle feel so much yeah. worthwhile. Totally. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mama. 
Yeah. Thank you. So I have one final question for you that I like to ask at the end of my podcasts when I remember, which is that if I handed you a microphone and you knew that every single girl and woman would hear what you had to share, what would you want them to hear? Hmm. What comes to mind is you are loved, you're beautiful, you are enough, you are worthy of what you seek, and you deserve all the support you want and need to, to realize your dreams. <laughs> Thank you, Ellen. It's beautiful. Thank you, Emma. My pleasure. So I'm going to have all of the information in the show notes below so that you can find Ellen and her incredible psychotherapy and coaching work that she does with women and couples and also learn about the relationship school, which is where she also teaches and guides with her husband, Jason. It's incredibly, incredibly important work for this time and in the world. It's, we need it more than anything. And I'm so grateful to him and to you for the creation that you've made. Thank you, Emma. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Today podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more easily women around the world will be able to access this valuable information. Remember, we each have our unique role to play in this collective uprising for women all over the world. Whoever you are and wherever you find yourself in this moment, there is a deep intelligence to your particular place in the wider web, and we need the specific experiences, insights, and gifts that only you carry. I am sending you my heartfelt strength and support for wherever you are on the journey, and I'll look forward to connecting again next week.